0: you can be opening your Bibles to Matthew 5 and Galatians 5 if this is your first time or online uh, your first time. We have been in a series on what are known as the Beatitudes. Uh, they are the opening of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Uh, and I count nine. A lot of people count eight, but I'm making them nine uh, uh, that are there. And, uh, and we are coming up on number eight today. So next week, will be uh, number nine. I, I just want to add something to one of the announcements, which is about November 6th, uh, which is, uh, uh, again, it's an exciting thing uh, to, to be talking about and to do. Um, because of COVID, we had to spread way out, and uh, we kept it at two services for a while. We had to spread out and had make two services so we could accommodate everyone, and uh, we're well past all that now, and uh, we can be together. So we want to do that, and hope that it'll create uh, a lot more camaraderie, and that we'll be a better witness uh, for Christ because of of that. Um, but uh, because it's November sixth, it's also daylight savings time. I think somebody said that in the service, um, which I don't like daylight saving time, but this if. When the time changes, this is the one I like the most because you get an extra hour that night uh, to sleep. But most of us go look at the clock and go, "Wait, we still got another hour," and then we stay up too late anyway. So uh, don't do that. Uh, but uh, it is a great Sunday on which to uh, invite uh, your friends, your neighbors, your family, uh, different guests to come and be with you that day uh, because they do get extra hours sleep. It's also a high attendance day in church anyway because. People slept in, uh, and usually they get up and go, oh, I slept in, I can't come. But they get up and realize, oh, I still have time, so they come anyway. So uh, a lot of people will be here a little bit early that day, but um, it's it's exciting to do. And uh, literally part of the reason is those who don't regularly come to our church— uh, the average, overwhelming average of a morning Sunday worship time is 11 o'clock. And uh, so if we started at 10 and we're, we're done by 11, if they showed up at 11, we wouldn't be here. So if that does happen, a lot of people look online now, and I thank God for that. But if it, if it does happen, we'll still be here so we can say hi to new friends. So uh, just be in prayer about that. Uh, I don't know about you, but I feel like God's trying to do something here at Calvary. Okay, I got some amens. Good. Um, and and I, I pray that's true. I don't go by my impressions, but that's how I feel about it right now. Because I know God's doing a work in my heart as I've gone through these Beatitudes. Boy, it's, it's challenging. These are countercultural statements. That God is making and today just to go ahead and let you know it's that blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake and we tend to lean on that persecuted part as I talk to people we we've kind of leaned on that we do need to cover that because I think we have a mistaken view um I, I can't see it real well let me turn around yes uh we use that picture on purpose because that looks like a teenage kid whose girlfriend just broke up with him or or boyfriend broke up with her. I think that's a guy. So a girl, and and we think of things like that as being persecuted. You know, we think we're persecuted if they messed up our order at the drive-through. <laughs> oh, the devil's just attacking me today. You know, no, you got a teenager working in there, and you messed up. You know, get over it. say it. Go up. Oh, y'all messed up. To fix that, and just you know, be happy in the Lord. Persecution is much, much more than that. And so I, I want to look at it. I, I will tell you, uh, you know, part of, part of it is, is we live in a country where we're not being threatened because we claim Christ. At least by and large. I know it's coming. We can see it coming. It may happen. But, but just because somebody says something mean about you also is not really persecution. And, and we have this freedom. But let me tell you a story about real persecution. It was a, it was a group of people. and it was, They weren't all Christians, but many of them were Christians. And somebody came intentionally to kill this group of people. And they, the way they did it is every person they went to shoot, they would ask this question, do you believe in God? Some people they shot before they asked the question, and they weren't dead yet. And they would put the gun to their head and say, do you still believe in God? And if they said yes, they would finish that, uh, their death. And that happened 23 years ago in a place called Columbine in North America. Persecution's been around. It still can be around. Those kids' names who stood for God, they, they are in our, our minds. One young lady who's not mentioned much, she was shot. She wasn't dead yet. And they, they asked her, and she said she believed in God, and for whatever reason, they didn't finish the job. Um, but they all said yes. Whenever something like that happens, our news people are like, why? Why would someone do this? I'll tell you why. They were demonized. They were oppressed or possessed by our enemy who seeks to kill, steal, and destroy from us. It's, it's not a mystery. It's never a mystery when lost people act like lost people. The mystery is when saved people don't act like saved people, right? Because God's offered it, and that's the meaning of this. Let me read a verse for you. I didn't put this in my notes today, but it came to me this morning. I want to read it to you. It's Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Boy, amen, praise God. Yes, we want to have that power. And Paul goes on to say, and share his sufferings. We forget that's part of it. The Bible, you know, I don't know when this happened in, in the churches, but we started preaching that, boy, come to Jesus and everything's going to be better. And that's not what he said. He said, everything's going to, you're going to die. Uh, literally, he kills the old man, puts a new man in us, right? But, uh, most people, what they need is a new person living in the same skin. And that's what Jesus says for us when we come to him. He kills the old man, he puts a new man. All those who are in Christ Jesus are a brand new creation, you know, the old passes away, the old becomes new. All things pass away and the old becomes new. I, I love that. I love that thought. But after that, the Bible promises us, and we'll see that in the sermon, that, that indeed we may, we may suffer some, some bad times. We may suffer some difficult times. But let's be clear about persecution and, and why it comes. I'm going to give you something to take home with you today, right now when you choose to live in Christ's righteousness you will be persecuted the emphasis in this text today is on the righteousness because it is a promise as we've gone through it we are we are poor in spirit and we mourn that and so we we become meek and teachable and as a result we get hungry and thirsty for more of God and as he comes into our life we start showing mercy to others we become pure in heart And so that we serve others and we get this payoff. When you do all that, you're going to get persecuted. I mean, Jesus is not playing games here. Again, this is very countercultural to to their culture. It's countercultural to to the natural man. All the things that Jesus has been saying in this opening verses of a three-chapter-long sermon. And we come to this where... Oh, and guess what, guys? You look like Jesus, and here's the payoff. They're going to persecute you. Now, that's fine because of the payoff later. You know, Paul, Paul said, I've, I, I've been beaten to within an inch of my life three times. I've been stoned and literally to death, and God raised him back. Been in these many shipwrecks, been in prison, floated around the ocean for so many days. And then he says, And all these momentary light afflictions are not worthy to be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed. You know? And I just, we as Americans are spoiled in this area. We don't understand. There is a church today, and by a church, I mean the church, around the world, that can die for the cause of Christ today. Where where we have missionaries right now from our church in Africa. I, I just saw an update on the most dangerous places in the world and it's that 1040 window right through West Africa. That's some of the most dangerous spots you can be in right now and yet we're there and the gospel is exploding there. Why? Because God is faithful and God is doing something and they and haven't complicated it with a lot of stuff that don't matter. It's all about you, you, say one other thing now. I'm going to pray and that is First, for a long time now, decades, baptisms and people being saved in North America has been decreasing. And so in my own denomination, for decades, they've come out with a new plan every so often on how to witness and how to be a witness and how to tell people about the Lord. The problem is, we got to exhibit the righteousness of Christ. And if we do that, we will be a witness. Right? And so we've made people good church members, but we've not made good disciples of Christ. And Jesus said, if you're going to be a Christian, you've got to be a disciple. You, can't, you have no, no salvation apart from that. In fact, he gives us a glimpse at judgment and says there's goats and there's sheep. And the goats say, but we cast out demons and we fed the hungry. We did all these things. He's going to depart from me. I never knew you. What are you going to do with that? There's, a, there's an element that we are missing and so here's what the Bible says in Matthew 5 and verse 10. And I make this into two for two reasons. One is there's too much there for me to cover in one sermon. In fact, I want to cover everything I want to say right now in one sermon. And then secondly... I want it to be nine of them, and this language just changes, and there's going to be nine. So, uh, But verse 10 says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then Galatians 5, uh, the fruit of the Spirit in verse 23 that we're looking at is gentleness. That sounds odd, but you'll catch on before we go. Let me pray for us before we begin. Father God, in Jesus' name, Lord, um, you know where we are. You know what we need better than we do. Um, Lord I just pray that you would uh, fill me with your word that I would only speak what you want me to speak you would keep me from saying what I should not say Um, but Lord uh, open our hearts and our minds to to comprehend and understand what your word is calling us to do and that in an understanding Lord we will be faithful to accomplish that Lord may we be willing to be persecuted for righteousness sake help us in that Lord so that We understand what it means, and then we we organize our life to that. So give us your grace today, Lord, and help us in Jesus' name to accomplish it. Lord, we know our enemy uh, is present. He always shows up, but but our boss beat his boss. And, Lord, we know that Satan has no part in us, and he has no victory over us if we uh, don't allow it. And we ask you, Lord, to rebuke him and all the demons of hell in Jesus' name. They have to get out, and they may not come back. Lord, today, our minds will be clear to hear from your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Well, let's look at this. I I read the verse. You know what the definition of the word persecution is? It it comes from a root that means to pursue, to go after. Think of a predator going after prey. Prey. Well, if he catches the prey, it's going to get persecuted, right? So that's the idea that, that, that something's coming after you to get you, to, to hurt you, to kill you even. And as we talk about Christian persecution, come from a lot of places. It can come from the government. Now, again, we live in a, a, a place where officially we're not persecuted by the government. And by the way, if the church has to start paying taxes, that's not persecution. The rest of the world goes, yeah. So? We're the only country that doesn't have to do that, by the way. And, and, and so some of the stuff that we have never had to think about, we're going to think is persecution because we might have to start thinking about it. But even Jesus in Matthew, when he talks about the end of time, he lists all these bad things happening. He goes, but the end is not yet. <laughs> in other words, it's going to get worse. And so why do we expect everything to get better? We have this, this kind of strange idea. But... But not only from governments, I mean, in the Bible, and by the way, tonight in our class on the churches of Revelation, we come to the church at Smyrna, and in 155 uh, A.D., uh, the bishop, and I'll have to talk to you about more detail tonight, uh, he is martyred there, and his testimony of being martyred is unbelievable. He was a disciple of John the Apostle and uh, was, was killed, and he was the bishop in Smyrna. And so, but sometimes people can be persecute you sometimes people can be the persecutors I think of Saul who became Paul he was just angry because because he knew the gospel was true but he was so Jewish and he was such a learned man it angered him and he started killing Christians until Jesus knocked him down got a hold of him right but he was personally seeking people to be persecuted. Now, he went and got government sanctioned to do it, but he was individually motivated, and, and that can happen in the Columbine incidents. Uh, that, that is true there. And, and the biggest offenders are religious people. The biggest persecutors, you say, really? Yeah, I, I'm not talking about a religion other than Christianity. The Catholic Church persecuted people. We call it the Inquisition. If you don't know what that is, read about it say, yeah, well I know about those Catholic people. They're just messed up. Well, wait a minute. Protestants came to North America for religious freedom and wouldn't tolerate anybody didn't believe like them. And they have put people to death in North America for their religious beliefs that didn't match up with those who came over. So don't, don't get too high and mighty on this. Religious people can be persecutors. I, it's very clear. So why are the righteous persecuted? Here's what Jesus said in Luke 16:15. He said to them, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. The reason we're persecuted is we, we show Jesus to a world that doesn't know him. And it angers them, it frightens them, and their reaction sometimes is violent. There are two roots of persecution why would someone start persecuting because they love something that is evil or untrue all right so that's the base and then they have to justify that love because they come face to face with the truth and with somebody who shows that what they're doing is evil that's why they hated Jesus the religious people hated Jesus Jesus, because he showed that they had sin that they weren't repenting of, they had a religion, but they had no relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ or with God the Father. And so, the love of anything other than God will cause a hatred toward those who do love God. You following me? That's why it happens. John chapter 3, verse 20, 21. Jesus said, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may clear, be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Did you notice the two options? When you're faced with the truth, you either accept that new truth or you begin to fight against it. Now, I'm going to come back to that idea in just a second because what is Righteousness. Righteousness is being like the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a trite little thing. It started, I don't know, somewhere in the 1900s. Somebody wrote a book, What Would Jesus Do? And it became this very nice kind of thought. Well, just ask yourself, what would Jesus do? Well, here's a little bit of problem with that that I find. How do you know what Jesus would do? Well, there is a way to know. What did he do? You got to know this, what did he do, before you can ask, what would he do? Amen. All right, good. I'm not too good with English, but I think I got that right. All right. Yeah, I took English as a second language when I was in school. So anyway. Yeah, what did he do? And when we look at that, we find out what he would do might not be what we're doing in our churches even. we, we uh, Listen, I'm calling us to really examine this. I'm not fussing at anybody. I'm calling us to look at ourselves and look at, at where we are and what we're doing. Because per- persecution is not an inconvenience, or not because you're just being evil yourself. Peter said, Let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, evildoer. So well, oh, good. I, I'm none of those. Wait, mate. I'd left off the last word. Or a meddler. Meddler's a gossip. I'll take a drink now. <laughs> Plenty of that going around. Well, you need to suffer if you're a gossip. Not because for religion or politics it's not your own exalted opinion of yourself you make a god of your sense of right and wrong well i'm right everybody else is wrong and i'm being persecuted for it well maybe not you might you might just be a jerk you know go do i look like jesus that is the that is the standard it it has to be for righteousness sake the persecution comes for righteousness sake why is it that people around you, I just want you to think about this, why is it that people around us are not either persecuting us or coming to faith in Christ? There's only two reasons. One is, you got your light lit, but you hid it under a basket. You're not being a witness for Christ, okay? That's, that's the first option you got to look at. Well, what, where am I? Am I being a faithful witness? And not that I'm yelling at people who don't agree with me, but am I living like Jesus? Am I showing the light of God and the love of God Through me is is Jesus working through that. The second reason for that is it's coming, they're just not there yet. If you are living a life for God, they're either moving towards salvation or moving toward getting really upset with you, but they just hadn't quite got there yet. So hang in there, keep going. You may get to see it. All right, that's that's the encouragement of the scripture. Galatians chapter five, verse eleven, Paul writes, But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. Paul wrote the book of Galatians to talk about these people. It said, you've got to become a Jew before you can become a Christian. you got to follow the Jewish laws before you become a Christian. He said, but if I preach the Jewish law, now I've hidden the cross. And then in the next chapter, in chapter 6 and verses 12 and 13, he says... Um, It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. And not only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do themselves not keep the law. But they desire to have you circumcised that they can boast in your flesh. Be it far from me to boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. By which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. In other words, it's not about what we do externally. It's about where is our heart? Where is our life? What is that motivating factor in our life? And if it's the love of God and the, and the gospel of Christ, and I give that out like Christ did, people are either going to get saved or going to get angry. Where, where I come from, they call that the pucker or duck syndrome. You know, you might tell somebody, Oh, my, my uncle's name is so-and-so. And so and you got to be prepared to pucker or duck because people either hate him or love him, Right? You talk about Jesus man, you got to pucker or a duck. Somebody's either going to say, "Praise the Lord, yes." Or they going to say, "What? Pow." Right? Eventually, that's going to happen. See, when we let our own values show, the people around us are moving to one of those two options. When we show Christ, they're moving toward either persecution or salvation. Jesus said in John 15, "If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you." If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But see, we're not of the world anymore. We're a brand new creation. He made us for heaven. The reason we long for heaven is because that's where we are supposed to be now. But I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you? A servant's not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. If they kept my word, they'll also keep yours. Second Timothy 3, Paul wrote, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. He didn't leave any room for wiggle. He said, if you live like Christ, somebody's going to not like it. Now, that persecution, like I said, in our nation, it may be mild. They may just call you names. They may fuss at you. They may yell at you. They may disagree with you. They may do some other things. It doesn't rise maybe to a violence level, but it still may be there. Hang in there or read the next verse when you go home because that's what we'll talk about next week a little bit but righteousness is not me keeping a set of rules it's not my own religious arrogance it's living like Jesus but notice what happens if you are persecuted for righteousness sake you inherit the kingdom of heaven now that ought to sound familiar but you got to go back 8 weeks because 8 weeks ago the poor in spirit inherit the kingdom of heaven are you catching the bookends you start that journey I realize that I have nothing and I have no means of getting anything I'm totally paralyzed totally incapable totally unable unable To do what I need to do to get what I need. And I begin to mourn my condition as I mourn and God comes and comforts me, and I become meek and teachable because I realize I got nothing and I need it all from God. And He begins to teach me. And as He teaches me, I grow in my faith and I begin to seek out the Lord. I begin to hunger and thirst for righteousness. And I become merciful and I become pure in heart. And when that happens, I'm living like Christ, persecution comes. It starts, you're going to inherit the kingdom if you mourn, and here's the whole, if you realize you're poor in spirit, and it arcs around to when that life is full, you, you could be martyred. And by the way, more people have died for the cause of Christ since 1900 than died since Jesus died up to 1900 you got more chance to be a martyr today than any time in history. It's not something you ought to seek, but I'm just telling you. you got a good chance if you want it. You see, the, the promise of righteousness is a front row seat in heaven. Because if you're persecuted, especially unto death, listen to what Revelation exposes in chapter 7, verses 9 to 17. And this is talking about Christians being martyred in the tribulation. But listen, after this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation from all tribes and people and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders addressed me saying, Who are these clothed in white? And I said, Sir, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst no more. We hunger and thirst after righteousness. Righteousness. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb is in the midst of the throne, will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to the springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eye. Boy, we love to claim that last verse, don't we? God's going to wipe away every tear from my. eye. Well, have you ever lived your life in a way that you got some tears? Paul said, you say you're a Christian I bear in my bodies the marks of the gospel. I can take off my shirt and show you what it means to follow Jesus. Literally. I'm not saying you got to get scarred up in some religious war, but I am saying, has it ever hit you? Have you ever been persecuted because you, you tried to live for Jesus? I'm afraid that most of us would have to say uh, that's that blank is still blank on my resume of my testimony. Well, the corresponding part of the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. Now, that just, that's like a 180, isn't it? No, not really. Because to allow yourself to be persecuted is a choice. It's a 180 to us because we get hit, we hit back, right? We're Americans. I mean, we ensconce it in songs. Right? You rattle our chain and we'll put a boot somewhere. Right? Didn't they sing about that? The Christian says, God be praised. I'm not saying that you just accept persecution necessarily. Paul, they wanted to kill him. He said, I appeal to Caesar. He said, I got a a government out on this one. I'm going to take advantage of it. You don't have to be martyred just to be martyred. He got martyred later, but he knew. No, I'm not... (laughs) I'm not going to die because you people are weird. I'm going to go appeal to Caesar because that's what you're claiming, that I'm, I'm causing a political division and I don't have anything to do with politics. I'm just preaching Jesus. It just amazes me. We think a political party is going to solve our problems. Political parties created our problems. Our founding fathers made sure we had no specific religion. We like to claim it, but that's not what they said. That's not what they put in the documents. In the documents, we don't have an official religion, so we can be anything. So I, I would think about that. And gentleness means to have your power under control. So the question becomes do you fight or are you willing to suffer for Jesus' sake? Now, I'm not saying not fight. I mean don't don't die when you don't have to, but for the Christians got no other options, like, cool, you're handing me my bus ticket. I'm off. See ya. <laughs> Thanks. Punch the ticket. I'm out of here. There are stories of people that are about to be shot. And they said, thank you. You're you are about to exercise your greatest weapon, which is to kill me. But when you do, understand, I'll be in heaven with Jesus. And my blood will scream from the ground, Jesus is Lord. And they didn't shoot him. He said he was disappointed. He was expecting the bullet. And they stopped. And he said he was disappointed for a minute. Like, wait, I don't get to go now? But he lived so he could tell that story. We are gentle. Our power is under control. We don't get offended because somebody is offended by Jesus. We just keep preaching Jesus. Nikki, a guy named Nicky Cruz led to the Lord by a guy named David Wilkerson. In the 1950s, David Wilkerson saw this newspaper report of these gangs in New York and how that was going on, and he said, they need Jesus. And he went up there, and he gave away his, his shoes and all that. They made movies about it back in the 60s, 70s. If you remember, The Cross and the Switchblade, Run, Baby, Run. Those are the two big titles of books and movies. And Nicky Cruz was the leader, the most violent guy, and he targeted him. He kept preaching Jesus. And in the movie, they dramatize it where Nicky Cruz pulls out a knife, puts it at the preacher's throat and says, if you say to Jesus to me one more time, I'll cut your throat. He said, Nikki, Jesus loves you. And of course he couldn't kill him. And he said, if you cut me into a thousand pieces, each piece will still cry out, Jesus loves you. Well, Nikki Cruz eventually became a believer. Are you willing? That's the call. See, Jesus didn't give us these mealy mouth wheat milk toast calls. He said, Are you willing to die? Come follow me. You say, he didn't say that. Yeah, he did. He said, take up your cross. Cross is not an instrument of inconvenience. It's an instrument of dying. He said, pick up your cross. Follow me. That's where I'm going. You want to go with me? That's the call. That's the call. To leave everything behind and follow Jesus alone. Well, let me give you some things to think about. First of all, have you ever faced opposition because of your faith? You don't have to answer that out loud. Just ask yourself. Put yourself on that scale. Have I really? Maybe you've been made fun of and all that. Well, I'll count that. Again, it's because of where we live. But have you faced any opposition because you live for Jesus? And then compare your life you're living now with the life Jesus lived. How does that measure up? How are you doing there? How is that working out? And then lastly, determine to live like Jesus. And when you do, you can be like Paul who said in Second Timothy that he was faithful to the fight, he was faithful to the faith, and he was faithful to the finish. He said, I've run my course, I've finished, I've finished my course, I've held to the truth, and I'm about to go and be poured out as a, an offering to the Lord. And they cut off his head, and indeed he was. But he was faithful to the fight and the faith, but he was faithful to the finish. In Revelation at night, we're studying that. In every church, he says to those who are faithful, to those who conquer, to those who don't give up. And he announces rewards to them. That's what God is calling us to. And I pray you hear that call. Lord Jesus, in Jesus' name, we ask right now, Lord, we ask for your presence. We ask that we might know you, the power of that resurrection, but also that fellowship of suffering.